in the article like where I pissed myself that is a plain example of when laughter has saved a life honestly it was in that moment mm. when I was like on that bathroom floor and I was just like this is as low as it gets I thought I'm never going to feel that feeling again and I'd been thinking it for weeks I thought oh my god I really want to have that feeling of just like creasing so hard you forget everything and I thought it wasn't possible for me anymore and then when that happened I was like oh it feels so good like I was like I'm just going to piss no, I was just like are you talking about sadness are you talking about bipolar are you talking about eating disorders like what are you talking about, bro. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Before we dive into today's episode, I would first like to invite you to partake in future conversations. Just tune into our Twitch live stream, which is linked below, where you'll be able to comment, dispute, and ask any questions you may have for us or our guests. Today, we welcome Sarah Jennings, who joins us to discuss her recent article, which we recommend you find, linked below, titled Lockdown Saving Lives in More Ways Than One in which Sarah courageously retells her recent battle with a suicidal episode. Sarah was amazing and managed to convey such sensitive material in a humorous way, which although at times left us in stitches, also left our eyes wide open and a little less ignorant to the true nature of living with a mental health disorder. Reflecting on this, it has become crystal clear that we as a society need to start having real conversations about mental health, like this one, rather than tiptoeing around the superficial pretext which currently dominates the conversation space. Anyway, I'm sure many of you know that this is currently Mental Health Awareness Week, so we felt it was necessary to rearrange a few bits, ensure the release of this episode in time. Please just ignore the episode number 1011, who cares? Without further ado, we would like to welcome Sarah onto the podcast. Sit back and enjoy The Lost in the Middle Podcast. The Lost in the Middle Podcast. <laughs> All right, one, two, three... Is it one clap? Yes, one clap. Oh, I thought you meant that. Okay. Like... <laughs> I was interested. Yes. Everyone, welcome to the show. <laughs> Guys, I legit. Honestly, I actually, that's what I thought we were doing. No, it's my fault. I should have been clearer. I should have okay, been clearer. Okay, okay, okay. One right. clap. To be fair, all right, yeah. I got this. It's called a sick one, clap. Yeah, two, got this. three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mate, it might be your internet. We'll go one more time. Okay, this is this is broken records for the amount of claps we're doing. Oh, on four. On four. Yes. Right. Sorry. Okay. One, two, three. Nice. There we go. Okay. okay nice. Oh, perfect. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eleven of the Lost in the Middle podcast. We are joined today by Sarah Jennings. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Now you can give yourself a clap. <laughs> <laughs> you can get around the floor, <laughs> Guys, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. Sarah is. One of my old school friends. Um, I am indeed. She's been quoted by saying she's the author of several unfinished novels, Panic Attack <laughs> Aficionado, and Percy Fig Enthusiast. Well done. Yeah. Look at those accolades. Gigi. <laughs> Thank right. you, Long buddy. Thank you. Though. I'm honoured to be here. Yeah, I was actually thinking how long has it been? It's probably been like, what, six years, I want to say? Five? I know. It, it, it has literally been that long. Like that's longer than I thought. Like wow. that actually makes me feel like an actual like fifth year old. But it must be because I would have last seen you when I was like eighteen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was now I'm going to be twenty-four. Right in the height of me being oh, God, a don't. sexual predator, <laughs> going after all the girls. Oh, I was just about to say, <laughs> I've got correct. a little friend that uh, I've got a little friend that sends her love, Luke. 
<laughs> oh, oh shit. It's a lost middle exclusive yeah. right here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, we'll think about that after the podcast then. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Maybe ex- exchange some contact details, update you. Jeez, love Guru. Love that. Very nice. So, yeah. so Sarah, we had a little... Um, a little thing in store for you to sort of ease the tensions, break the ice. Oh, so yeah. if you could bear with us for just a moment. We're going to go off screen for two seconds, people. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Bye, All guys. All right, boys, are we ready? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> we've oh we've all God. kitted ourselves out for Do today. You all, did you all actually have one in, in the um, in oh, wardrobe? Yeah. It's my favourite jacket. Wait, this you is, all three of you? My did all three of you actually oh, have a brown leather jacket? I cannot this believe this. This one was made for me in Bangladesh, so I had to bring Sorry, it Sorry, so for the record, all three of these boys are wearing brown leather jackets, as I've stated that that is my, one of my number one phobias. It's actually also on my hinge profile. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest fear or something like that? And I put men in brown leather jackets. Honestly, terrifying. Well, shit. Yeah. Yeah, look, we're not going to be matching on a hinge anytime soon then. No, um, absolutely not. Not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Whip that off and you, we'll see. Hey. <laughs> That'll be after the podcast again. All right. Trust, I'm, I'm baking up because this one is a joke. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm in the I'll sun. I'll take it off after that little skit. Wait, sorry. Can I just quickly ask? Is is So, Luke, is that your brown leather jacket? You actually own that? So, I went to Bangladesh and these Bangladeshis measured me up and were like, we're going to make you a leather jacket. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, just wait. <laughs> Two days later, they came back. They didn't even measure me up properly. They came back perfectly sized up, brown leather, brown leather jacket. That's because you're built like a Bangladeshi. Trust, that's why. Uh, I'm gonna fit right in. Bit more. No, I love I'll that, be, guys. I'll be called Gupti. <laughs> but yeah, no, they made it for me. I was, I was. All right. I was a bit jarred because I was like, if it was black. All right, so then... that's kind of acceptable because it was a gift, and I would accept it if it was a gift. But if it's something yeah. that you've actively gone out and purchased and gone into Top Man and thought, you know what, I look fucking sick in this jacket, <laughs> then that's something that I just frankly can't forgive, you know? No. Well, I suppose my excuse is it used to be my granddad, so, you know, got to give it to him. Oh, I okay, that's not fine. Bad. Is granddad still alive? He's not, no, that's why it's mine. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's, that's fair then. Dead granddad, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for your loss. Uh. Anyway... <laughs> don't, don't be, it's fine. I mean, it's not don't be, but you know, yeah, long time. Anyway, moving on. Swiftly, swiftly, please. <laughs> so, Sarah, you wrote an unbelievable article, blog post. What would you like to refer to it as? I'd say an article. Uh, I don't really know. Like, I think the website that I put it on is like, it's it's a website like mainly made up of like articles, but the website Medium is like, I don't know if you guys have like heard of it before, but it's like the Instagram yeah. of writing so i guess yeah. yeah an article my friends are referring to it as a, a long read a long read um, so whatever, whatever you want <laughs> that to call is it. rude <laughs> yeah. are they are they referring to it as a long read or a long read i mean Which i one? hope it's i hope it's a, a long read yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah i don't know i don't know it's a long read it was a long read but it's thoroughly enjoyable i must say a read that is you long. do have a very eloquent Good. writing style. many thank yous many thank yous yeah, I actually think I write better than I speak. You write very well. We'll see. We'll find out after this. Yeah, I was like on the tipping point of like laughter and tears. I was like, how's how's it <laughs> making me feel like this? Yeah. But, um, so many people, people said that they were like, I literally like was creasing and crying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very well done. 
Very well done. You are welcome, lads. <laughs> for um, for people that don't know, the article is called Lockdown, Saving Lives in More Ways Than One. And briefly, it's basically about Sarah's battle with her mental illnesses, how she overcame them, and your advice on how to overcome them as well. Mm-hmm. And how people definitely should take it. And what I liked at the end were the, the sort of Ten Commandments of what to do when you find yourself in that hole. The Ten Commandments? Your own Ten Commandments. Oh, God, I should have yeah. called them that, shouldn't I, instead of Ten Things. <laughs> the Ten Commandments, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was basically like, it was retelling of a particular time, I think, with my mental health journey, let's say. Because obviously I did say it went on for like yeah. years and years and years. But yeah, it was just about the most recent destructive episode, we'll call it. Um, yeah. And yeah. Well, when we were at school, like I never really noticed any any sort of signs from that from you. I know you say that you hit it very well, but mm. like when we were together, you were always. I mean, like you've displayed it already within the first five minutes of this. <laughs> yeah. How like funny you are! <laughs> like you had everyone in tears and stitches. And when I was reading this, stuff, I was like, stop it. No, seriously. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was I'm like, blushing. So I never would have thought that you would could go to some dark places that you have been to because you like made everyone else feel so happy it's really funny because you know the first you know i said it's it's kind of been like what i think i said like eight years Mm. i think actually if i'm really honest it probably started when i was actually really young and there was like definitely signs that i was going to kind of go my mind was going to go a bit skewiff when i was younger but like i didn't you wouldn't really put it down to mental illness because you're a child Yeah. yeah i was gonna say when did all this sort of start well, this is the thing, but then um, then when I, in sixth form, I don't know if you remember this, but because obviously you you joined when I would have been in year 13, right? Yeah. Sixth form, I think, was the time when it was it was really beginning. Like, there was, there was things before, like, I, okay. like a lot of other girls going, like, through, like, you know, those kind of, like, mid to late teenage years, I had my problems with, like, food and stuff, and I briefly touched on that, but that yeah. was probably, yeah. like, made me where it started, maybe, like, 14, 15, properly, and then when I got to sixth form, what I now... I would now describe that as not depression, because I've been so much worse, so that's what I would describe as depression now, but at the yeah. time, it was, like, my first kind of experience of it, and I don't know if you would remember this, but I barely went to school in sixth form particularly in year 12 I think I went a little bit more in year 13 but I barely if I did go to school I would sign in and then I would go and sit in Costa for the whole day and, I, and then I would get the bus home like, oh, I wouldn't I actually go to school I do remember that I do yeah. remember and you... that was like that was kind of me like I, I was yeah, really I struggling remember, yeah. I would go to I would go to yeah. Costa like try and sneak out and then you'd see me and I remember you being so pissed off with me you're like oh, I this little dickhead coming to chat to me again I'm just like Oh, hey, Sarah, how's it going? Good to see you. Leave me alone. I was still, like, I don't want people to think because I said that it's gone on for, like, so many years. I don't want people to think that that means the last seven or eight years of my life were, like, the worst thing ever because, obviously, like, I have so many, like, jokes, times, happy times, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, like, that's probably when I... And, like, even in sixth form, like, literally, I, I, I wasn't, like, acting fully and I wasn't lying when I was having those, like, good times. I was enjoying myself. But it's, like, you can be enjoying yourself you could have jokes with people and you could laugh with people but at the same time as soon as you're kind of behind closed doors or whatever or as soon as you're you get like literally one second kind of to yourself yeah i think it's more effective of how i basically think it's that that time when you're by yourself when you're behind closed doors that's more telling of the state of your mind the lack of distractions yeah that's that's when you know if you have a healthy mind or not when you can be completely on your own and you can be okay as opposed to when you can be around everyone else because you've just got other people like pepping you up and like i i did like to be a bit of a class clown and i'd yeah. be like b- busting jokes all the time and i have my little my, yeah. my band of merry 
men creasing at me you know so like I, I had all this validation from you know all the jokes but at the same time you know you go home and when that's not there anymore you're kind of just like stuck with the like someone that you don't really like which is yourself at the time do you know what I mean and that's yeah that's kind of a dangerous thing I think but yeah that's probably when it like started I guess so how did that affect your school time you said you didn't go to school much what was the mm. reason behind that oh, I do you know what it was it was actually it was quite an existential thing apart from Luke yeah apart from Luke it was, it was a very existential thing right like I I I really struggled with authority and I just started to get really existential when I was like realizing that every day I was waking up going to do the same thing and I didn't want to be doing it and everyone was doing this and no one was questioning it I was really getting like philosophical it seemed like no one else was and it kind of used to drive me a bit mad so even being in a school environment when I had literally got no interest in the subjects I picked so maybe that's where I went wrong but I was just completely over education yeah. and, like, and then on top of that I started getting really kind of like analytical and existential and stuff then it kind of drove me mad when I was in school like I was like I would sit mm-hmm. there and think yeah. does anyone care like and <laughs> all of this stuff was what was going through my head instead of what I should have been doing which was actually just learning it for the sake of getting an exam and you know for the sake of getting a qualification then going to university I couldn't get past the concept of what we were all doing it was yeah. just hitting me like and never before had I really been like that yeah. was university never on the cards for you then I went I had a, a brief stint at further education for three months um because I like all although I, I didn't go to school but I did get like passable grades to go to uni so I went yeah. for three months but I quit because, again, probably down to mental health reasons, but I wouldn't have necessarily directly associated with it with mental health reasons at the time. It's more like yeah. my mental health impacted that, which impacted that, which meant eventually like, I, mm. I made the decision to, to leave. Well, that sort of thing is quite prevalent at university. Yeah, definitely. I know that my time there, there were lots of people who seemed to struggle or fail to disguise it as well as you, apparently. Mm. I know that um, Luke said yeah, that he had... In Bristol, in Bristol, there was, like especially when I was there, there was a quite shockingly high number of yeah i've heard that students who were committing committing uh, suicide yeah and i've heard loads in in the first term of uh, first year at bristol like in the first term yeah definitely. i remember when because alice went to bristol one of my best friends and she said in the first term there was something like three suicides in her year of first that year yeah. and that's it's just crazy. insane yeah no it was it was unprecedented numbers definitely when i was there i think it's just because it's such a massive change in your life. It's not mm. necessarily how difficult your course is initially, but people don't realise how how much they like their their home, their home friends, how much they mm. miss miss that, how easy they have it at home. I feel like a lot of people get massively overwhelmed just because of that. And then also if they're Yeah. If they maybe pick the wrong subject they want, they're not really enjoying their course. Because a lot of people class university as the make or break of their life sort of thing. Yeah, well, and people are expecting the best times of their lives as well. Yeah, So yeah, I can imagine yeah, yeah. if it's not living up to expectation, it almost makes it sort of doubly as worse, I guess. 100%, yeah. And then they put a lot of pressure on themselves to, number one, do well. It, number two, like, impress their parents and make sure that they're happy, that they're paying X amount of money mm. for them to go in. <laughs> And then if they're not enjoying it on top of that, it's like everything just starts yeah. crumbling down on you and then you can really feel like the world's yeah. against you. Yeah, and let's address the elephant in the room, like shit ton of drugs, if you throw that into the mix as well, well yeah. like that's going to contribute as well. That's what I think. Um, and that's why I think the uni thing, I'm not saying Bristol in particular, but I'm just saying I think a lot of the, the uni 
um, suicides would maybe the numbers wouldn't be as high if there wasn't such a massive drug culture at like the unis in Britain. I really, really think that like they're related. Yeah, no, you raise mm. a very good. What do you point. think? What do you think causes the the drug culture? Where does it stem from? What, what, do, what, what do you mean? Do you think what do I, what I think causes the drug culture, or what do I think is the link between the suicides and drug um, culture? I suppose starting off with why everyone is so inclined to take drugs. Do you think it's just because everyone wants to have a good time, or do you think there's some sort of underlying oh, reasons? Yeah, I think yeah, I think everyone's like everyone's getting this like you know massive like taste of freedom they're like rah I'm, I'm leaving my parents like this is so sick mm. you know let's it's, it's the, just the done thing yeah it's the done thing it's like let's get <laughs> fucked i think my attitude to drugs was always like if i you know like for the record i don't um I personally don't do any, but that is literally because I have like, you know, I know mm. I have mental health issues. So like it is yeah. kind of foolish yeah. for me to think I could get away with that and not, you know, and have a good time and it, and it not go wrong for me. And I've yeah. learned, definitely learned the hard way. Um, but if I didn't have that, by all means, I'd be I'd be well up for it. Do you know what I mean? If everyone <laughs> like if everyone's having a good time and like do you know what I mean? if it was if that was where it was and I was one of those people that didn't have um any anything wrong with me. And I think what's quite sad is I I've learned, like I said, the hard way that Mm. me taking a drug is a different experience for my best friend taking a drug because I've got this mental health problem and she doesn't. Do you know what I mean? And you have to learn that you can't do certain things if you are susceptible to, you know, thinking negatively or if you are susceptible to that because you're the type of person that's going to go and have a really bad trip that's going to, you know, kind of, you know, leave you a bit screwed. Whereas she's just going to go out, have a great time, you know, great night, feel a bit shit the next day, but move on from it. But actually for someone else who does have, you know, maybe their own struggles that next day period doesn't stop at the next day it just leaves you in a bit of a depressive state and then if it's the same thing the next yeah. week and same thing next I, I do genuinely think like and people can kind of like be like no 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 like oh drugs are great but that's the people who have really good times on drugs that's not the people yeah. who's yeah. who have these problems and you know would be offended and- by them do you think that even applies to alcohol or have you not found that many people have such adverse reactions like, to? Do you know what? It's like with alcohol, I have such like a love-hate relationship because when I love it, I really love it. But then when I yeah. hate it, it's like it, it, oh God, like, am I allowed to swear on the podcast, by the way? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 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 So course. when I hate fuck it, it, I fucking hate it. Like, <laughs> like honestly, when I'm, when I'm anxious, if I drink, it's like, I honestly like the next day and this is not even me over exaggerating like the next day I'm shivering from start to finish like me and I remember there was yeah. one time that was really bad because I was going through a really anxious time and I just quit my job and um you know Alice from St. Michael's yeah, 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 we yeah. went on night out to celebrate like it wasn't celebrate but it was like my last night at my old job and we went out like on a mad one with my work friends and anyway the next day um well, it wasn't really the next day. It was literally like, we went to sleep at 3am and then we woke up because at 6am I woke up and I was just shivering, like shivering profusely. And she was like, what the fuck? And I was having the worst panic attack like of my entire life. And I kid you not, it did not stop from 6am till like maybe midnight. Like the whole day I was just like oh shivering, I was crying. Yeah, yeah. Like we were literally like, it was like I was a baby. Like she was like playing songs for me to like calm me down. Like it was, it was really bad. And like that's not the only time that's happened. It's like alcohol... You know, on, on the night out, I had a good time, but it was the after effect that yeah. I could not deal with. Yeah. And that's that's not an, a, like a standalone occasion. That's happened to me quite a few times. And I know quite a few other people who have an anxiety problem or an anxiety disorder and alcohol has that yeah. effect on them. But equally, like there's been times when I go out now, like in lockdown, I've been having maybe like a few, like maybe three drinks on a Friday night or something. And then like, I actually really enjoy it. I get quite pissed off it because I don't really drink yeah. anymore. Okay, good. And it's Definitely. just nice times. Mate, yeah. two beers do me now. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm literally three drinks out. I've been having a four pack of Corolla beers. I'm on the floor. 
<laughs> no, alcohol is it can be a depressant though, can't it? Because mm. you drink it to feel like happy and good about yourself, and then the next day you get like a hangover or something, hangover? and you feel yeah. bad. Well, it is a depressant if you drink too much of it, isn't it? It stimulates you for the first few, and then you fall off. And then if you do that three, four, five times a week, then you're mm. constantly just in this in this phase of feeling horrendous. I mean, five times way- a week, I feel like you've got Alcoholic. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I do that every day. <laughs> so you think you do that, Luke? But he's all right. still at Bristol. That's why, isn't it? <laughs> when, have you guys found that when you drink different drinks, you get different hangovers and different sadnesses? Like I find I get really upset on gin and wine, so I just don't ever drink them. But if I have a beer, the hangover isn't as sad. Like it's like it has different. Effects I have on a yeah. similar thing with. Um, like my skin will get worse on certain mm. drinks, so it's not exactly what you're talking about, but it is different types of drinks different have things. different oh, impacts. John is yeah, such a princess with his skin. Oh my god, <laughs> such a princess with his skin. My skin is, is pretty, pretty shit. So I have no, to, to address fair, it. I've got Jono's skin reacts in the worst. I'm all sorted here. Look at this on the desk. I can recommend some fantastic face masks if you're in the market. No, no ads, guys. No ads. Sponsored by. We're not getting paid by them. Tell us when we're off air. Um, (laughs) I'm an influencer. (laughs) I'm going to say, like at uni especially, it is very easy to fall into that sort of trap of drink, drugs, Mm. and just being by yourself in bad place. Definitely because. You've got all this time and you don't technically have to do anything with it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like you can just live in your uni house and be your own worst enemy if you wanted to. Like there's a couple of instances when people that I know secretly overdoing it with like the drugs and taking them when they're like just on a regular basis and stuff like that. And then they really do start getting fucked up to the point where you have to go up and be like, are you okay? Are you good? Mm. Like, what's happened with you? You definitely need to calm down. And you need to like, yeah. reassure these sort of people. Intervention. Be like, Stop being a plonker, mate. Is there a direct link between yeah. the <clears throat> drug intake of the people who are committing suicide at Bristol? I do don't know? know, but uh, I'd be really fascinated to know. I, I, uh, yeah, I haven't really. This is the sort of research we should much. do uh, pre podcast. But that's also the sort of research that will never really be accurate because the families of those, like, do you know what I mean? The friends, it's really hard for people to be like, yeah, I was mm. taking loads of drugs, yeah, like, and to admit to their family before they die. Yeah. And that. So that sort of information, I don't think, is really ever recorded because it's hazard so hard a guess. to collect. I would hazard a guess and say, what absolutely. Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I really would. Yeah, and I'm not I saying so. I'm not saying those people would commit suicide because of drugs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that there yeah. would definitely be a correlation. It exacerbates it. Mm. Yeah, great word. I think and so. that's why. Oh, thank you. That's another one for your next uh, for your next article. Um, yeah, jot that one down. <laughs> <laughs> that was my um, point, sort of, as we first start talking about this. About do you think it's um, the cause of or how did I word it? Basically, the people taking drugs do so because there's something that's led them to it. Are they already in a place of, I don't know how to, how to describe it, pain, hurt, where they rely on the drugs as another form of escapism, the same way you were describing mm. social interaction and being the class clown? Do you think people can rely on oh, drugs yeah, in a similar vein? Mechanism, 100%. There would never be... I think it's different because I think actually for a lot of people who wouldn't consider themselves to have like a mental problem they're a coping mechanism yeah. and, and not to the point where they're kind of conscious of it okay. so I do think yeah, um, yeah but at the same time I would say that most of 
the reason people are taking drugs is not for that reason. I think it is because they're just having a really fucking good time and everyone's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it's. It's almost like you're. Um, what's it called? You're like the the ugly duckling, the one that stands out if you don't do it at like places like university. Yeah, it is quite uncommon for someone my age to like to be so passionately mm. against drugs in the same way that I but am. But there must be some underlying that that to me doesn't sound like a healthy generation as being a part of it myself. The fact that we all are so mm. keen on the next high. Mm. Even if we don't have any underlying mental health issues to worry about. It does seem like a sort of mass yeah, escape, yeah. doesn't it? I think you've got a point. Definitely. I maybe don't do drugs, but I definitely do have other. Don't get me wrong, I have other vices, other vices which are probably yeah. just yeah, which are which are as bad and which are also coping mechanisms. But I think it's a, we should all kind of try to find the healthiest like coping mechanisms and vices that we possibly yeah. can. For me, writing is actually one of them as well, where it's something that I can obsess about and I can like be a bit addicted to, but it's not going to have an unhealthy impact on me to be addicted to creating stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's not. I think that's perfect. Oh, yeah, 100%. especially yeah. considering. It's basically finding an addiction to something that has positive implications, yeah. such as I saw in your article, exercise as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exercise is like, I I actually, for, I know that if I don't exercise, do a little bit every single day, then I will, I'm likely to go off the rails in my own brain. Mm. I actually, I've found that as well, um, that I definitely notice a change in my mood if I haven't exercised. Mm. I think, and then I think and there's I mean, science behind because... that as well, definitely. Like the chemicals that you're producing in your body and the endorphins mm. and stuff. And suddenly, if like I always yeah. notice, I'll exercise from Monday to Friday and like I have a set routine that I do every day. Won't bore everyone with the deets. But <laughs> by the time it gets to Friday, I think like I'll have my little like drinks on a Friday night with everyone, with everyone on like FaceTime and then the next day I wake up and I think, oh, okay, I'll give myself a day off today. And even like even that one day off, because I've been doing it for five days, I think that dip in the endorphins and suddenly not having them for that one day i always notice on sunday i'm a bit like lower and i'm like i can't wait to just like you know make some fat cry and shit you know (laughs) (laughs) i wish i had that same thing i'm waiting for my endorphins to start controlling i used to never do exercise but now i haven't worked out in weeks (laughs) ollie are Ollie you okay? I'm bad. <laughs> Ollie, I'm Ollie's, bad. One of, Ollie's one of them annoying we'll people where he doesn't exercise, he can eat anything oh, he wants and he will stay like a stick in I hate that. One of my best friends is like that and I despise her. But I guess he looks like one I bet too, everyone which is not the best Nothing thing. to me. I almost wish I was a girl because I find it so easy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd be unreal. You'd have no tears though. Like, no, I, yeah, I'd be very flat. But <laughs> Small boobs are beautiful as well. Of course, right. especially Ollie's. It's about my personality. <laughs> exactly. As long as my nips are alright, then it's fine. Ollie's boobs actually go in inside. <laughs> concave. It's very like concave. <laughs> I've got a concave chest. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh this isn't God. a body shaming podcast. Okay, yeah, exactly. yeah. Concave no, well, chests are beautiful I, I as well. Say that. Exactly, they're the best. Thank they're comfy. You. Thank you very much. If I don't train for like a week, then I start getting double D's. That is peak. <laughs> you, I, do, I remember you do have quite a uh, what's the word? A, uh, well, not, I was about to say a really horrible word, but like a stocky, a stocky <laughs> upper half. Yeah, I was going to say chunky, but you have quite stocky. A, a, a stocky upper oh, half. No. Yeah. I'll say what you were going to say. I was, was going to say a chunky upper half, a stocky upper half. I remember you, you had you quite a meaty, fat, yeah. meaty, like, like a pro, like, like a true yeah. Greek, wow, nice well, and meaty. I'll take the compliment. That's a compliment to a man. See, if you said that to a woman. If you said you have a chunky oh. upper half, you are getting a slap round the chops, literally. <laughs> it's double standards, isn't it? 100%. Yeah, you'd be getting decked. Double standards. Sorry, Sorry where do you think um, this 
sort of being enslaved to your endorphins has come from? I remember you saying that it started off in your mid-teens. What was it you think that triggered? Do you think it's just something that you're at a predisposition to or was there something that maybe triggered it? Wait, sorry, can you ask the question again? Yes. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> Enslaved to your endorphins is probably not the best way to ask. No, no, that's how you've described it, is how your endorphins are dictating the way you're feeling, which is mm. how most people do it, but you're very conscious of it. And what I was getting at is, do you know what it was that sort of triggered you to either acknowledge it or what was it that triggered you to realise that your endorphins were very much up and down compared to, you're talking about everyone else, for example, you can go out, party, no problem in the world, whereas you have the ups and downs that you need to be wary of. Are you, are you saying, are you asking when did I kind of clock that I was struggling mentally? When did you, when did you realise it? What was the trigger? Is there something that... Is it related to anything specific? Um, oh God, this is a question that literally like I have like... Oh God, I've tortured myself over. Like, the, the, as oh, a shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> has, like, no, 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 I want to talk about it. I honestly do. I would love to like to hear other people's opinions on this as well because I really, really struggled with the concept of like, why me? And I think a lot of people who suffer mentally and who, who have like, you know, who get depression, who get anxiety, who get any, you know, mental illness, you you, you constantly yeah. ask yourself, why me? Why this? Like, why, why does my friend not have this reaction to this? You know, like, you know, I could be in the same situation as someone else, but I'm going to have a panic attack in that situation. Like loads of people could be on the tube carriage and my body starts to sweat. And, you know, I start to get like pulses of adrenaline going around me. Whereas like the person standing next to me is not. Why me? Why has this happened? Blah, blah, blah. And the the answers that I've yeah. kind of like come up with in my mind, I think a lot of it is genetic. Yeah. But also I do think, and it's hard to go into it without, because I was quite careful in that article not to say maybe too much about this, like like how I've become like this. And yeah. talk about too much of like my personal stuff, because I think you have to kind of save that shit for therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cares. yeah. But yeah, it, there definitely have been, I'm, what I would say is there definitely has been like environmental things that I've maybe gone through that have probably contributed to the way I see the world. Do you know what I mean? So I think, yeah. Um, yeah. and when you mm. consistently have a pessimistic view of the world and you end up kind of then you get yourself into a depressive state because you're constantly thinking negative thoughts yeah and i i I truly believe that like thoughts hold a lot more um physical power than than kind of science gives them credit for so far like i think there'll be a lot more research on what is a thought physically what is it you know what um chemicals kind of thought produce in your body because that always amazes me like how I can just be thinking sad things and it have a physical effect. And yeah. I, I really, yeah. I think um, obviously people that have gone through more environmental things that cause them to get depression and things like that. It's amazing yeah. that they are thinking, okay, yeah, like I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Everything's kind of bad. And that's them reflecting in the actual chemicals in their brain. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know if I explained yeah. that correctly. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, to answer the question, I think, there probably have been certain triggers, um, which I, I won't really go into, but like it's definitely a mixture of environmental things and genetics, I think. But I do think I was always predisposed. I think I was always, even when I was born, I think, you know, I think I, I was probably always going to end up a little bit like this. Like, if, you know, and, I, and it's like mm-hmm. I, I keep it at bay. Yeah very um like I'm very active in trying to keep myself happy because I'm just one of those people that's predis- yeah. predisposed so I've got to be really careful and I can't do a lot of the things that other people do and it's something that I actually think about a lot 
when like obviously I'm not I don't even have a bay at the moment so I don't know why I'm chatting shit but <laughs> if when I have children one day I actually do think to myself shit like am I going to give my baby this do you know what I mean and it actually really scares me like oh, I'm God, like yeah. that's something that honestly yeah. even when I was like in in the worst like time that I talked about in the article uh, something that goes through my head quite a lot is that and it's like it's so sad because I just write off like and now I don't think this at, the, at this point in time but I like definitely that's a go-to um thought in my head when I'm going through a, a, a really dark period where I, I go oh no no you can't have children because like you're going to pass mm. this on to your baby kind of thing <laughs> so you were saying it so you're you're saying it's environmental and genetic genetic, as genetic yeah so mm. why do you think there's more of a prevalence of mental illness today? Do you think it's because of something that's affecting everybody or do you think there's just more people talking about it? Do you think it's always been there and it's just been left unattended? Brushed under the carpet. Uh, mm. Under the rag. Carpet's quite hard to brush under. <laughs> oh, I, sake. I do think that, and this is like such a classic answer, but I think that like everyone's going to say, yeah, like social media and stuff like that. And I do agree in the sense Snapchat that... Snapchat and Instagram. But I, I do agree in the sense that um, we can now subject ourselves if we choose to, which is the key point, we can choose to follow certain yeah. people and choose to rub their perfect lives in our own faces. If we choose to do that, then of yeah. course we're going to feel unfulfilled. Of course we're going to feel like we haven't achieved anything in comparison to these amazing people or so we call them, like that we're following. So yeah, in that sense, I think it's really yeah. easy to lead mm. yourself down that path. But at the same time, if people realise, like for me personally, I don't really... I, I don't really have that much like social media presence because of this reason. And also when I do like on Instagram mm. and stuff, I don't follow people that, you know, I, I don't follow people that don't like, oh, this sounds really cringe, but like I only like to follow like writers and like, obviously my friends and stuff, but I, I don't like influencers and that sort of stuff because it's not no. really inspiring mm. to me. And I think it is just in a lot of ways yeah, going to make me think, yeah. oh, this person's yeah. got a sick body. Productive you don't yeah. want eight pack abs and <laughs> some nice booty. I mean, I would like that on, on yeah. myself, but not to stare at on another person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's definitely... People always don't realise that. These people are taking a snapshot of a couple seconds or like one picture yeah. of a very 100 misconstrued yeah. and irregular point in their lives where they're, they're picking out all the best bits and they're putting on social media. And that's what a lot of people think, like, this is them 24-7. This is how they actually mm. look. People don't realise that people, that there's plastic surgery. There's I'm not sure people editing. believe that anymore, though. Do you think people are a bit more clued up to how... Yeah, I, I think so. a lot of people are naive to the fact that these people are living quite... I can understand younger people are, but I think that maybe people yeah. are, especially our age, are more aware that a lot of these things are snapshots. I mean, Ollie knows full well. He has to take 100 pictures of me topless before I'm happy, so... It's essentially a job. Yeah, but I still think, like, you see, you see, like, people that you know, you, you might know that they're rich and you might know that they are probably living like what they're, what they're showing but you don't yeah. think like they're probably not the happiest people in the world they're probably quite lonely they're mm. probably like mm. quite isolated by themselves people don't see that sort of point of view from them no. they only see like ferrari it's a yeah. but also on a, on a like not even like on an influencer level but it's really easy to just get access into everyone's lives including those people that like are in your own circle like say if like you didn't go out one night now like in the olden days you would have not gone out probably sat at home do you know what i mean like done yeah. a crossword or something i don't know what they yeah. did in the olden mm. days but like now it's like you can watch that night out. read a book with a candle yeah yeah and like written something with a feather and a quill like you can watch that story you can watch that night out or like on every single person's thing and then you can sit there and get fomo and it's like you just didn't you just didn't have access to that mm. before so yeah in that 
that sense, I think that probably yeah. has contributed it to it being more prevalent today. But also, you said, um, what was I going to say to you? Oh, you said, yeah, you said like a lot of more people are talking about it now and blah, blah, blah. And I think in a sense, yeah, that's true. But I think what a lot of people are doing is talking about talking about it and not actually talking about it. Yeah. yeah. I've read so many things being like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about mental health. And it's like, well, you're not actually talking about the it though. You're talking about talking about it. Like, I actually want to know. I know it's, I know like not everyone um, can kind of reach that point where they're ready to be like as open maybe with their like personal yeah. stuff. And it's, it is a really yeah. hard thing to do. And don't get me wrong. Like, it was the terrifying thing for me to do. But it's it's definitely yeah. we're at a point I think where most people are talking about talking about it but not people aren't actually talking about it no one's talking okay. about that's, the, that's the looking backwards and forwards yeah. no one's talking about the do you know what I mean the actual physical stuff no one's talking about the the sweating on the tube like I can't even give you the examples but I want to yeah. know the it's yeah, as yeah. opposed to um you know I like people will talk about and say yes. I've suffered with mental health and I want to know what because that's going to help people like knowing like so many people yeah. were like oh Enough it was the specifics shit. yeah it was the specifics yeah. where people were like okay I yeah. related to that yeah. and I would never know that those people would relate to that because nobody else has kind of said it do you know what I mean and actually no, people yeah. have um, no, but more true. so like like I really connect with this writer called um, well she's like the, literally the biggest like women's fiction author she's hilarious called Marion Keys it's an Irish lady I don't know if you know her yeah. but yeah, she I wrote do, about yeah. mental health in such a way that like I actually had never seen it articulated so accurately and at the time when I read this particular book I was like in the worst place ever and when I read it I was like oh shit do I feel the fool because like literally the whole time I'd been like you are so unique like you're so special you're the only person on this planet that feels like this and when I read her articulate this mad shit that I was going through in the most accurate way I was literally like how has this woman done this and it it was the most helpful thing so like that's what Mm, I think we need more Mm. of is is actually the it's as opposed to the let's talk about it you know definitely and I think that's why your article was so well I found it like very inspiring because you were so open and honest about all of these situations that you were in in this like, dark place in your life. And I feel like mm. people can definitely learn and relate to that and be like, oh shit, it's not just me. Like yeah. other people are going through this as well sort of yeah. thing. I think for me as well reading it, I just, I looked at a few things online leading up to this podcast and I think everything just felt so patronising to me. I mean, I haven't suffered, you know, anywhere near everything that you've been discussing but I feel like a lot of these videos that especially the ones where it's high budget and it's all about let's talk about it but not mm. really talk about it now that you put it in that way that's exactly what yeah, it is yeah it's like this um it's I think patronizing is the easiest word to describe the way it is because when I'm watching it I'm kind of like but what are you talking about that's what I'm that's what I'm, I'm saying you know, I'm, I'm looking like, at the, these videos and I know exactly yeah. what you mean because it will be people sitting there being like we need to talk about mental health. Sorry, I almost did an American accent then because this isn't just Americans. Like, so many people do the it. Video's but I'm shouting at the screen being like, well, what do you mean though? Like, I'm literally sitting home being like, what are you talking about though? Are you talking about sadness? Are you talking about bipolar? Are you talking about eating disorders? Like, what are no. you talking about, bro? <laughs> literally, that's it. So, I just want to know. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> Oh my I God. also don't I just want to say like that I don't I don't criticize anyone who wouldn't talk about it because I know how like upsetting it is and I know that like I could not talk about it if it was say if I was still in that place I could not mm. talk about it like yeah. I can yeah. only talk only about in it hindsight, now. in hindsight yeah. in retrospect knowing like and that's how I think I always know when I'm over it when I can talk about it when I can write about it when I can like explain something it's like that's when I know okay cool you're over this because otherwise you wouldn't be able to talk about yeah. it yeah what sort of things do you reckon 
did help you when you were at like those really low points? Hmm. I mean, all my low points have been kind of different. So I don't know. I would say, let me have a think actually. I would say Bantz is probably the biggest one because what you really need to do, like I think what people don't really understand and if when we're talking about low points, okay, I'm going to talk about being suicidal just and go to the extreme, right? Mm. Yeah. Because you can can apply that to the lesser severe situations as well. But in that time, right, something happens to the brain and I wrote about this really briefly called cognitive constriction where it is literally, like in layman's terms, your brain has started to shut down. When your brain is um, exposed to a depressive state for a really long period of time, the pathways in your brain start to close basically and for Mm. me it meant I lost my um short-term memory like when I say I lost it it just really 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 rapidly decreased in ability and so like I would not be able to remember and usually my my short-term memory is amazing like I'm not the sort of person to forget anything but I walked around a car park for like an hour and didn't know where I'd put the car little things like that right so your brain Mm. is losing a lot of ability to do anything and it's it's a very physical process which is what people do not realize about this Mm. mental mental illness it's not just mental anymore it's physical so you're having you're dealing with yeah. all of this yeah it's physiological so you're dealing with all of this and what you actually need to do is keep yourself alive and distracted um and as you know i use the term happy very in you know what's these what are these called air quotes because you need to keep yourself yeah. basically going until that process subsides because yeah. it's literally like being ill with a physical illness you know when you get a virus and you go to bed, right? And your parents won't expect you to get up or do anything because they're like, oh, he's got like a stomach virus or whatever, you know, like, you know, he's, yeah. he's going to be like bed bound or whatever. Like, you know, if you've got like a neurovirus or something, and you're just so ill and you're like, oh. Yeah. But everyone yeah. knows what that is and everyone knows it passes in like four or five days. So no one mm. sits there and panics and thinks, shit, I'm like this forever. But because we don't know that much about this cognitive constriction process, we don't know, no one really talks about being suicidal. People that are do not realise that that process is something that will pass and they think shit my brain's like this forever now and that's something that i thought until i got mm, past it see, yeah. and now i realize that shit that that process is not last forever and my memory came back fully like now i remember everything do you know what I mean but it's like at that time if someone had told me you know you haven't got b- permanent brain damage you know i thought i'd kind of killed my brain with my own depression like i thought i'd kind of like imploded so i was like okay well my brain's yeah. mush. i'm stuck like this forever blah 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 but if people knew that and knew that it it, it does not last forever and it's literally like a physical illness in that if you hold on it will it will subside because your brain actually cannot especially when in terms of panic attacks and anxiety your brain can't sustain the cortisol that is pumping around your body your brain can't sustain all these chemicals and it won't sustain like like being in that in that state yeah i've read that people say it's like your brain is sprained sort of thing yes yes and and it it gets better and that's what people don't realize so i think what helped me was just kind of staying put and staying alive and staying kind of I was trying to keep myself as entertained as possible. Like, yeah. so I said things like watch, you know, watch your favourite show, do this, do that, like speak to your favourite person. It's all just a process of what, what you would do if you're ill in bed with a virus, do that because you're just keeping yourself going and as happy as you possibly can be. You can't be that happy because you're definitely ill. Do you know what I mean? You're in bed and you can't go yeah, anywhere. No, and yeah, yeah. Like, keep yourself as happy as you possibly can be because it's going to subside. And I think that's like what, I think people just don't clock. Another thing you said was the environment which helps you, something which you can obviously um, have an impact on. How would you suggest changing the environment? Because what you just said there is to sort of almost confine yourself until the disease is gone. Mm. What environmental factors do you think you could change if that's even the right thing to do? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's like a positive thing to do. I 
would say obviously at the moment this is a bit redundant because we're all in lockdown (laughs) but um you know in terms of people that you put yourself around it can be Mm. so detrimental like at a time like that when you are that vulnerable the people that you are around are the most detrimental thing to your like i'm going to use the word survival because if we're talking in terms of suicide but even in in a less less severe case like the people are so detrimental like i would say if you you know it, it does it sounds just so cringe to talk about being like you know emotional and stuff like that but people i i know that i need people around me that are like compassionate towards me when i'm in a dark time and i have certain people luckily I do have certain people who are that way with me Um, and so it's best to surround yourself with those people who maybe even if they don't understand what you're going through because chances are and I'm fucking glad that no one understood what I was going through because I hope they never do (laughs) but at least if they don't understand they kind of try to and they approach it they approach the whole situation in a compassionate way as opposed to being like oh get out of bed what the fuck's wrong with you you know like mm. what literally yeah. what's going on? like do you know what I mean there's 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 people who don't understand and sh- can't show compassion and then there's people who don't understand but show you compassion so you need to be um create an environment around those people like i would say if your home life isn't great and if you maybe like if your parents don't understand because there is a definitely a generational um gap in terms of like understanding oh, yeah, yeah, i would yeah. say Time. just pack, definitely pack with yourself different a bag. cultures as well exactly yeah i say pack yourself a bag and get to your mates oh, especially like the greek the greeks like my family yeah the greeks <laughs> they're, they're literally <laughs> just be like what are you doing doesn't like, exist get yeah. get up get to work or go and do yeah it's a learning experience i think for like like my yeah, family yeah, yeah, as definitely. well and like people's family who who have to go through mm. that, that period yeah yeah, definitely no. between, like, the generations. There's definitely, like, from now, from ours and theirs, it was rarely spoken about when... It's just not the same world. No, it's, it's just not. not the same world yeah, as well. the like, world is very you different. You can't, they can't, be, they can't sit there and be like, well, you haven't got any problems, you haven't got... Because they, they didn't grow up in the same world that you did, you know, and then with the same yeah, pressures definitely. that you did and things like that. So I just kind of, I would ignore any, you know, like-for-like like comparisons on that. Well, I didn't have this problem. I didn't have this problem. Why, why are you guys like this? Why are you guys like this? It's yeah. like, you can't even compare because your situations are not the same. Stop trying to compare like-for-like because like it's not the same. It's like the housing mm. market. You know, when you're like, you, you're per- you don't know if your parents ever do it. Like, oh, I had a house and a mortgage <laughs> by your age. It's just like, yeah. well, you didn't grow up in this fucking generation. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Now, now no, that is so true. Bed, yeah. not even a one bed is like two million mate pounds like, you would buy a stupid. fucking like <laughs> fucking cat litter box with the money that they like probably oh, spent on their first house when they were going I think 100%. my parents said that my oh, house was worth like 10 grand 20 grand something oh my god so wow. stupid like that that would literally buy you a parking space on a nice street yeah, for a year probably. literally literally mm, yeah. even to rent like a parking space probably a grand a month <laughs> yeah. in central London Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, I know you said you you tried therapy. Do you think therapy was like the best way to combat this, or did you take like things like antidepressants or something like that? I so I'm in therapy at the moment. Like I've got an appointment with my therapist. Oh god, antidepressants a whole other like a whole other topic. Um, therapy wise, like I've had four yeah. now throughout. So since I was sixteen, okay. I've had four. I would say it's very early days with the fourth one, but. Things are going well so far, but I would say, I would say that the first three, I'm not going to bash it because it does work for people. And I think, but I think you need to shop around for your therapist. And if you've got something quite niche, which I've got, because I don't, I didn't talk about this too much in the article, um, 
but I'm doing a separate article now. Actually, I'm writing it now as we speak. Not this very second, but like today I'm writing it. Yeah, you heard (laughs) it here first. So (laughs) my main main problem is that I, um, you know, and I would say my main mental illness, which leads to other things, is the hypochondria, otherwise known as health anxiety. Um, And that is a quite a specific thing. So me being given a, like, you know, generic woman who just kind of like soothes people and listens to their problems that was not helpful for me because it wasn't specific enough she wasn't really trained in the first the first three that I had weren't really trained they were just kind of like general CBT people but my current therapist um he is specifically like panic disorder and health anxiety which were my two main problems and I actually found him myself because he wrote a book that I thought was amazing oh wow and then yeah, I I, con- like, I contacted him and blah 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 and now he's my he's now he's my therapist um but I would say if you have something like that because that's then what led to me being suicidal was that my hypochondria got so bad do you think the first three could have been quite detrimental to yourself and maybe other people not finding like what you mean have a bad effect on me that, yeah like do you think not finding the right therapist could actually be even worse have the opposite effect. i don't think so no i don't think so because they still did give me like a little outlet to kind of just chat shit at someone who would listen because i'm paying them do you know what i mean so they actually i didn't i got them on boob yeah. to be fair so i wasn't actually paying them the health insurance <laughs> but, um, and i got that from my dad's work for free so but um but no i don't think it was detrimental but like I, I would still say it probably helped me on a more like local um level at the time like i could go and talk about the kind of more minute petty shit that was going on with me and that would be more helpful but when it came down to actually what i really needed which was cbt and which was to like change um some thinking processes i think what i've got now is definitely already a lot better because it's so much more specialized and that's i think maybe my problem was just a bit too big for these therapists and actually yeah. do you know what's so funny so once i was yeah. really really upset because um i actually cried for that like whole day because this so I, this would have been my this would have been my fourth therapist and this is when i swore off therapy right because i went to get another one <laughs> because the reason i've had four is not because like i was i was like you know kicked out of all of them it was because um <laughs> they give you like a set amount of sessions so i would get my yeah. set sessions like a session a set of eight or a set of ten oh, okay. and then when it would come to an end they'd be like oh, okay you're great now like fly free little one and then i'd fly, yeah. I would fly free and so then i'd just go and find another one when i needed it again right so anyway yeah. it came down to it and like i hadn't had one for like a few months maybe or like half a year or something like that six months and i went to get what a new one and i didn't realize but it was like an interview and i thought i was going for an actual therapy session so anyway i went mm. and i just like because I, I kind of like know the drill now with therapy where you've kind of got to get your money's worth so I went and I just like went for it with this lady and like told her like my deepest darkest life secrets and she just stared back at yeah. me and she went the problem is global and I was like what? and she went excuse me? the problem she said the problem in some accent which I don't even know she was like the problem is global <laughs> and I was like the problem's global but she meant like it was obviously a language barrier but she meant like this problem is too big for me like I can't handle <laughs> you or whatever but she said the problem is global and I was like fuck you bitch you're global and I was like I'm leaving but, um, but yeah that was like the one time I think it could have been detrimental but otherwise otherwise no I don't think it's detrimental <laughs> imagine if that was your first one that exactly. sounds like that could have been really exactly. bad exactly that is awful and I actually got that one through my work. That's actually such a good that point. That was fucking bad. And like, I the problem was not fucking global. Like, 
Global, wow. That's like, that, that should be yeah, like. Yeah, imagine you finally muster up the courage and then go to one and then she's like, you're, you're way fucked too up. fucked up. And you imagine using the word global. Sorry, like, mate. <laughs> the problem is Doesn't global. it make sense, but then, you know, we would Literally. Like, oh, fuck, that's like, when I clocked what she meant, I was like, whoa, this bitch <laughs> is trying to tell me I'm too nuts for her little, like, surgery or whatever <laughs> she's got. Do you know what I mean? You should have hit I was her. like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I resisted hitting her. I just went and cried in the toilets at work for, like, three hours. And then I went home. And my mum was like, how did your therapy session go? And I was like, Leave the me problem is global. <laughs> But yeah, the one. The, what did you ask about antidepressants? Did you think? Did I? Did you ask? Do I think they're good or helpful? Yeah. Did you? Did you take them? Do you think it's advisable for people to take them? Because I've heard like. I think we need a disclaimer here. Quite a few side effects that definitely come with it. What disclaimer? This is not at all. This is not. We're not giving anybody medical advice here. But from your experience. I do think each their own. But the one thing I would say is I have, yes, um, taken antidepressants. I've taken three separate ones, obviously not at the same time. Um, But throughout the whole kind of like period of the past, maybe six to eight years, Mm. I've taken one called citalopram. I've taken one called sertraline. I've taken one called e-citalopram, which is like a newer version of citalopram, I think. But it's a completely different drug. Anyway, Mm. none of them have cured my issues. That's all I'll say, bottom line. I would also say that for me, and if anyone who identifies with the hypochondria or panic disorder aspect so a lot of my anxiety revolves around sensation and bodily sensations it's really really niche and hard to explain but I can I'll do things like feel my heartbeat I'll like I'm really really conscious of it and so if I feel it beat slightly out of like whack or whatever that will set yeah. me off and that will like send me into a panic attack right and it's the same thing with other bodily sensations yeah. so if I feel one pain in my head normal person will be like oh I've got a headache need a paracetamol I go oh I've got a headache I'm gonna die shit I'm gonna no. die do you know what I mean that's that's my anxiety so yeah. for me to take an anti um, and also to have this thing with drugs that I have where I hate them so much anyway like recreational ones yeah. it has kind of gone on to like pharmaceuticals as well because I've had bad experiences with them won't go into it but I have had bad experiences with one of them in terms of like the effects um, and yeah. they even do say on the like they say on the labels like side effects include suicidal thoughts yeah. or sign, like um, yeah. side effects which include, is just obscene you know, isn't it horrendous yeah for someone that's who's being treated for an, an anxiety problem especially someone like me whose anxiety purely revolves around sensation you're giving that girl a tablet that is going to cause all fucking manner of sensations albeit yeah. if they're for the first month or whatever and then they subside but that is still a month of torture yeah. for that person yeah. so I think that's where that's GPs ridiculous. need to sort their exactly. shit out because I was consistently and I do need to change GPs actually because I've gone to the same GP since I was like two or whatever like since I was a baby and mm. that GP all they have done for me is just they've never even once said to me like even though you can quite fucking see in plain English like I I clearly have a health anxiety problem and you know it's therapists that have said that to me not a gp because a gp has just always looked at me and gone here you go and written me a prescription and that's the complete wrong thing to do because for my particular vein of anxiety which is around sensation giving me a tablet which is going to cause loads is the opposite of what i should be doing do you know what i mean it's the opposite Mm, but like i said for someone else whose problem isn't that niche then maybe, yeah, I can see how they can contribute towards helping. So I do think each their own, and I do know loads of people who would swear by them. Um, not loads, but I do know a few people who have who have sworn by them and been like, oh, no, they kind of got me 
to a level where I could then start functioning and then just like other thing other things got better and then it snowballed and, and then I just kind of got better fully. Yeah. So I do yeah. see that I do see the benefits, but for me personally, absolutely not. I hate them and I'll never take them ever again. And that's something you only really learn after the experience of taking them, I guess. Mm. So I think a lot of people who haven't taken them, like I used to think when I was younger, and like I actually wanted to take them at first because I had this idea when I heard the word antidepressant. I just thought, you know, when we were talking about that period in sixth form, yeah, when I started to get it and I didn't really know much about what I was experiencing, I just yeah. thought, oh, this will fix me. Like, and then that's when I took the first mm-hmm. one. I took citalopram when I was in sixth form for like a year, and I thought, oh, this is gonna like, you know, this is gonna sort my shit out. And I was like, great, this is amazing, and. I can't tell you the disappointment when I realised like it doesn't work like it doesn't work like that anyway it doesn't work like that and it was like it was a sorry sorry affair when I realised I was like oh damn I do think sometimes like do people that haven't taken them or haven't got really any experience with them like is that what people think like I don't know if you guys have or not but like I think maybe that is probably what people think like that they actually do just like you know like when you take a recreational drug and you feel happy and high or whatever or if you get Mm. drunk and you feel happy and high I think people think that's the effect that they have have like because people call them happy yeah. pills and stuff and it's really not like it's so subtle um the the difference in like the, the chemical changes that they make and and the dosage that you should be put on is like so subtle you shouldn't really ever be feeling high if you are there's kind of a problem do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so i think people have the wrong definitely. people definitely have the wrong like idea that if you're unless you're on a really high dosage people have this idea that you you know if you're on happy pills you're like roaming around kind of like high off your tits you know love and life yeah Yeah, and it's like it's not the case you probably wouldn't even really notice Mm. it like i took it like i said for a year in sixth form did you notice that luke no don't think you did no (laughs) there's there's one right answer with that luke (laughs) (laughs) oh actually no 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 my head gets close to the camera like (laughs) <laughs> Say no. <laughs> a few, a few brisk walks to Costa Verde. <laughs> really. Well, as I said, as I said earlier, I, I didn't even know know any of this was happening at all. Mm. So you disguised it very well with yeah. me. Master of deception, master of deception. There we go. <laughs> Could be doing it right now for all you know. Whoa. Oh god, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm quite content right yeah, now. It's good that you can like joke about these sort of things and stuff like that mm. because I feel like that that's that's the issue with a lot of people that they can't express how they feel and they can't see the happier side of things. Yeah, and they keep it bottled up. And I feel like people just need to. Speak I do. To feel, yeah. I do feel as though the people who I know who suffer from mental health issues they do definitely find solace in being as you as you described how you were being the class clown and mm. almost providing other people with what they themselves struggle to get it is actually so true and it's such a cringe line but like i'm gonna say it anyway if you don't laugh you'll cry like it's like has anything ever really bad happened to you and the only thing you can actually do is take the piss out of it because it's so peak that like you actually just have yeah. to laugh like there's so many times when things like that have happened and yeah. i'm like oh my god whether it's like something kind of petty like a guy's like fucked me over or whatever and i just have to laugh at it because i'm like if i actually don't laugh if i think too deeply about it it's so mm. peak that you can't even like you just you'll just like sit in your room and cry. it needs an emotion you may yeah. as well make it a positive yeah. exactly yeah. and when your life's kind of falling apart you can actually stand back and have a good laugh like i know so many people like we've had a great laugh at our downfalls you know and it's it is a coping mechanism but i don't think it's an I don't think it's always an unhealthy coping mechanism to like laugh at yourself like I think it can be really really unless you're doing it to the point where you know you are just you are in denial I guess yeah and you're living two yeah you're living two different lives and you're not self-aware and you don't know that's what you're doing that's when I think there's a problem Mm. but but yeah I definitely think I use like 
making people laugh and stuff like I, I genuinely just like that makes me really happy like when I get the laughs when I get the lols so yeah, like I think yeah. that's just why <laughs> yeah, I don't really definitely. try to do it I mean I don't want to don't want to brag here but <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't really like I really... it's so natural to me <laughs> yeah. I'm a funny fucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I guess no but like it is the thing where like I, I just I do really like get a lot from have not even like making other people laugh but to, like a two way you know a two way thing like, I like it when I'm having some yeah. some back and forth you know banter tennis yeah. you know and like that just like really kind of <laughs> that just ha- I think it actually has a lot more power than people you don't want to be it. throwing aces no. you know <laughs> no but like you know like in the article yeah. like obviously when you read about when I met the girl and like the bit where I pissed myself like that mm. is a plain example of when <laughs> laughter has saved a life because like Honestly, it was in that moment. I just thought I would never feel like this. I genuinely thought when I like was when I when I was like the night before we went and I was on that bathroom floor and I was just like, this is as low as it gets. I never ever thought. I'm ne- I thought I'm never going to feel that feeling again and I'd been thinking it for weeks I thought oh my god I really want to have that feeling of just like creasing so hard that like you forget everything yeah. and I thought it wasn't possible for me anymore and then when that happened I was like oh it feels so good I'm, like, like, I'm just going to piss no but I was just like it, it, it felt really great <laughs> I'm going to piss myself laughing. They go, ha, no, seriously. <laughs> I'm going to piss myself. I did, I did. It, to be fair, actually, disclaimer, it was not, I think I led people up the garden path with that. It was not piss a full-on everywhere. piss. It was like, yeah, it wasn't like a full-on like, water gun. Yeah, it was like a little trickle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to do a bit of clickbait with that one, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be, that's how the podcast starts, yeah. We'll get someone to animate it and we'll make sure they don't lie about it now. <laughs> So where where were you on this like little excursion? When did you go? Um, so when Seychelles. I went, yeah, I went to the Seychelles. It was an island. So in the Seychelles are made up of loads of islands, mm. and oh, yeah. the island that I went to, um, they have a mainland called Mahi Island, and so that was where I was when I was in the hotel. And then the next morning, you get the boat over to this other island um, that we were like working slash volunteering on. Um, it was yeah. kind of not even work because it was literally just like fucking mountain turtles, but um, <laughs> nobody literally lived on that island, so it was like purely inhabited by animals like the only people that lived on it was us which was literally like the most incredible thing yeah because when I was reading it it sounded unbelievable yeah, sounds <laughs> oh, really it was actually so <laughs> mad and like we where we like kind of lived was like literally on like this shack on the beach so like you would wake up I was like I couldn't sleep at night because I mean, mainly because I had a severe anxiety problem and I was suicidal but well, also because the ocean was so loud <laughs> yeah. yeah aside from the, the minute details of that like, <laughs> the ocean was so fucking loud that I couldn't sleep and it was driving me nuts I was like shut the fuck up like we were that kind of yeah. on the yeah like we were just literally Close, like on yeah. a sandy beach where we were living that's know? usually what people want to hear I'm the type of guy that I'd put on that sort of noise to help me fall asleep <laughs> yeah ocean sound but not when it's so loud like at night you have no idea it Stormy. was like crashing like oh it was horrible like actually have oh, literally like nightmares about it yeah no we, we, we went away only for two weeks literally we the same sort of deal yeah. oh shit you had to come back as well yeah yeah Although we yeah. we were aware of the news, so we knew it was coming. Yeah. We were just in denial, thinking, mm. "No, no, no, it'll be fine. We'll stay." That here, was we'll stay kind here. of the same as me. Like I, we were getting because we didn't have Wi-Fi, so I wasn't really getting any updates, but. I kind of knew from like what other people were saying like because they'd paid for data yeah. and stuff I hadn't so I had no Wi-Fi whatsoever but like there would be once a week I think we'd get a bit of Wi-Fi and I'd, I was hearing things through the grapevine and I yeah, was kind yeah. of just like 
at, at that time I didn't really care like I was just like because yeah. I was so kind of like indifferent towards my own yeah. life I was kind of just like do you know what if I go home I mean you know I can get there quicker Corona can take me yeah exactly <laughs> I, do you know what I know it's such a horrible thing to say but that is definitely one of the thoughts that went through my head and I'm not ashamed to say it like I genuinely mm. like that was one yeah. of the many many horrible thoughts and disgraceful thoughts that went through my brain I was like god I wonder how I could get it like and I know that's so ungrateful because people are fucking dying from that but yeah. that's how fucked up I was that's what actually how fucked up my brain was when you were like thinking those things did you think like i'm not myself were you aware of what oh completely you were like trying to contemplate i was always self-aware and i just i you know what i was actually thinking i was thinking i cannot believe i'm here i actually can't believe it's got this bad like i was i was like two people but at the same time i couldn't change that i had got there i was aware of everything and that was the worst part i was thinking stuff like shit what's gonna happen to my family i was thinking stuff like i was so aware of everything i was like i was thinking shit oh god yeah no i was completely aware there was so much going on in my brain were your family not the sort of people that you could contact and speak to people like this or was it very much like an internalized sort of thing where you kind of felt like you could only deal with it by yourself the thing is right I would probably be more likely to talk to my friends about it, especially like yeah. my close, my three kind of closest friends. I tell them literally everything. Like no, no big thing has ever happened in my life, and I I haven't told them. So for mm. me, not to have told yeah. anyone about this, like the fact that that article was the first time they would they'd heard about any of this. Oh, like, not, wow. not, really? Not you the really depression. didn't say anything. Not not the depression. No, no, no. But the, this, the, yeah. the suicide yeah. episode. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the first time they'd heard about it, and I, I did send it to them before I put it out there to everyone. So they had like a little exclusive first, but we and we talked about it, and you know they like read it and gave me drafts and stuff. But if I was going to talk to anyone it was going to be them and from like a selfish perspective I did not I chose not to I did think about it but I actually thought I was trying to do sensible things to get myself out of it because I knew I was in it and I was trying to think of ways that I could potentially stop myself from doing this and so I thought if I said like my rationale was if I tell these people I cannot put any more pressure on my brain at this point in time and I know if I tell my closest friends who obviously I love and they love me if I tell them this that someone that they care about so much is is thinking like this, that is going to stress them out beyond belief. And then I am going to feel guilty. And guilt is not an emotion I can feel on top of everything else I'm feeling right now. So it was more of like a, see, a yeah. practical thing. I could not deal with that extra layer of bringing someone else into it. I probably would have mm. spoke to a therapist if I had one at that time. And I did call a, a, a crisis line or something, but they kind of yeah. just like, I, I, I kind of like pussied out when I got the phone. I was like, nah, nah, actually don't worry. <laughs> but, um, but I... Um, <laughs> Sorry, wrong number. Like, Sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. New phone, new disc, new phone, new disc. But yeah, no. I, um, <laughs> but yeah, I did think about telling them, but then I think it was like, that was, that was the reason that I didn't. I'm not saying that that was the right thing to do and I'm not advising that someone who goes through that doesn't tell anyone I'm just but saying but your self-awareness informs I'm just you. saying that that for me I actually stand by that decision not to tell them yeah. because it made it a lot easier for me mm. to it was one less thing for me to mm. worry about there are lots of people who report feeling guilt for telling their friends because it's almost like you're sharing the burden with them not with the feeling that you're having but they are then very aware that you are having that feeling mm. and some people I know that have similar episodes are reluctant to d- discuss it with people because they feel as though they're... A hindrance. Mm. 
yeah, they're hurting their friends in talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and like, mm. the thing is, if I think about it, and like if you guys think about it, if one of your best friends came to you, or anyone, like a sibling or something, came to you and said, um, you know, I'm thinking about topping myself, you are going to not be able to stop yeah. thinking about that. You are going to be able yeah. to not, like, and, and the thing is, at the time, my three closest friends, one of them lives in New York, so she's all the way across the pond and she would feel quite helpless. I know she would, and that would be really stressful for her. The other one yeah. was literally mm. came back from travelling the day before I went and I went to the airport to pick her up. So, like, it wasn't really even an option to tell her because she was travelling as well. And my other friend... Uh, my other like closest friend yeah. she not that I only have three friends but my other closest friend <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. she um she has kind of other things going on in her life do you know what I mean I actually think actually on this on this point in the past I and where I've not been suicidal but I've just been going through really bad stuff I've really 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 heavily leaned on one particular person yeah. and whilst that person was like has this amazing power to like make me feel calm and like do you know what I mean like she just literally has always kind of saved me when I've been really really bad yeah. and that she was always the person that I just go to mm. to make myself feel better if I'm having a panic attack it stops when we talk for half an hour or whatever like that's great and you know it's so amazing that I have someone in my life like that but what I realized was happening over the period of like two or three years when I was leaning on that person was actually I'm creating a dependency and it's not really good for me or her because for me, it's, it's telling me that I can't get better by myself. It's telling me that I need this person to get over this situation. Yeah, you don't have the self-governance. Yeah. yeah. So actually the fact that I kind of didn't really tell anyone about this period until I got through it has given me this weird like kind of self-worth and like you can take anything bit of, yeah like a bit of like i kind of you've proven it to yourself I, f- I feel a bit like i have a bit more faith in myself and i wrote in the article about how i didn't have any faith in my yeah, own that's amazing conquered it on your own yeah I, I wrote about how i didn't have any like faith in my own kind of sanity and i have I, well whilst i still i haven't got all the faith but i definitely have a little bit more because i managed to do it somehow myself which i still don't really know how i did but do you know what i mean and it wasn't really fully by yeah, myself no, but. no that really makes sense that's amazing yeah it's very inspiring <laughs> What were we talking about? I don't remember now. And we're back. <laughs> Sorry for that uh, technical issue, guys. Uh, it was mad, bro. No, we were discussing about how your triumph over this one independently has turned over a new leaf effectively in your battle with mental health. I don't not recommend speaking to someone. I'm just saying in my yeah, particular yeah. case, because it was so extreme and because of the nature of like all the things going on in my brain, I just, I felt like I had to do, it was something I had to do on my own and, and it worked out well, but it could so easily not yeah. have worked out well. So it's definitely not something that, I just think it's it's really down to um, the individual and the like the, the particular mm. situation. Yeah. I do think there is a lot to be gained though in speaking to people like I really really do and I think what I what I said to my therapist actually last week was like when I say when I have a really crazy thought so I'll, I'll put it to the case of like having a, a weird thought about um my health or whatever when I freak out about that when I have one of these really crazy thoughts so say when I get a headache and I think shit have I got a brain tumor like that's my anxiety right yeah. when I say it out loud then it sometimes just doesn't then I just laugh it off like I went and told my mum the other day I was like I was like, I've got a really bad headache. Yeah. And I didn't say I've got a brain tumour, but when I even just said I've got a really bad headache, because I felt like I'd put the headache out there. So if anything did happen, like if I did collapse, she would know I'd said I had a headache. So it's like, it felt no. like it yeah, got better. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can't really explain it, but there is just so much to be gained from from talking to people and sometimes just voicing shit and hearing yourself say yeah. something. If it's a particularly mm. irrational sentence and an irrational thought, putting it out in actual like verbal speech is actually 
quite a, a an amazing thing sometimes because when you hear yourself you hear it like as if someone else was saying it and you're like well that was actually completely irrational and incorrect and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and like you can kind of see it from a different perspective yeah. when it's than when it's in your head kind of like playing on repeat and see, things like I that. think that's quite interesting because you're saying that self-awareness is almost a detriment to you whereas I heard from others that self-awareness is usually the thing that saves them do you know what I mean I think yeah no no I think I don't I don't think self-awareness is a I know what you're saying um but I wouldn't say that my own self-awareness is a detriment in that sense I think it can be quite detrimental to be so inwardly analytical and so because it can be self-critical and that's when being self-aware is is negative but I think CBT is all about being self-aware like CBT is is about taking that irrational thought Mm. and being self-aware and saying okay I'm having this irrational thought it is irrational this is what a rational person would think and going down that route as opposed to and that that is literally what CBT is in a nutshell it's like changing your thought and you you need to be self-aware to do that so I don't think being self-aware in general is a bad thing it's not it's like amazing thing it's really powerful but there there are times I think when you can just be too self-aware and too self-indulged and if you are one of those people that goes down your own negative bubble. thought processes yeah if you go too far in I, the only way i could describe it is like going too far in on your own head and mm. it's like if you go too far into your own head yeah it's really hard to come out into the real world again um and be kind of yeah rational. it's kind of like well i've fortunately never had i don't think i've ever had any sort of experience like that in my life but where it's probably been close is like i'm happy for you mate <laughs> trust all right show off well, when it's been close like, I'll... <laughs> no, but shut like, up for, pe- for people i've read online that it's like that feeling before an exam is probably like the nearest you'd come even though it's not near at all to like having those sort of like panic attacks no no it is it is near it is near it's just getting that feeling but in the wrong context that's the right context to have that feeling it's so normal to be nervous for an exam but anxiety is when you have that feeling for situations and contexts that you should not have it for like I get that feeling that exam feeling I get it when I just get a twang mm, in my yeah, head yeah, and yeah. that and I feel like I'm literally like sweating and stuff and that's when you know you've got an anxiety problem but sorry I interrupted you Karen. <laughs> I just think you made a good point there so talking about no that is the feeling perhaps that will help people mm. talk about it better if you can relate to somebody who would consider themselves never to have experienced it to something that they likely would have experienced like that pre-exam anxiety yeah yeah completely how... actually yeah it's like that that's actually what I'd say it's like that feeling but at times, times it by like maybe 10. Not much like it, can, yeah. it can vary in degrees. And add, yeah, yeah. <laughs> add a few physical layers, add a headache, add a heart palpitation, add those things that you will have experienced separately all at once and some sweat and add a bit more like, you know, add, add like a few coffees. And like that is probably as accurate a, a description of like panic as I can That does really, sound bang on. Really I had, I, I don't remember <laughs> if I told you, Jono, um, when it happened in the lead up to me handing in dissertation and being done with uni, where it was about maybe 2am and I remember just laying in bed and I was, like you just said, with a heart palpitation to sweat, I realised that something was wrong. So then I took all my clothes off and I was just kind of laying there. <laughs> that usually sorted it out, but this time I didn't. I know, I'm not joking. So, so I took We're everything all thinking on. about you naked now. <laughs> but I was laying there and I realised that wasn't helping. I had to run down, yeah, so tits shaking about. I had to run downstairs. I ended up just kind of sat on the kitchen floor. 
with a glass of water and I'm like doing this while mm. I was shaking. I don't know if shaking's mm. added to the heart palpitations. It sounds like, I think a lot of people have panic attacks and don't necessarily call them a panic attack, but it sounds like you maybe had a that's mini, the, yeah, like I a was mini, say, mini sesh. Probably mini the closest sesh. thing I've ever had to what you would call a panic attack. And that was about half an hour. No, that sounds like... That sounds like that sounds like a. Pa- that sounds pretty accurate. It does bro. sound pretty accurate. No, no, <laughs> all jokes aside. <laughs> I know, I know a few people that that have panic attacks, but don't admit to themselves that it's a panic attack. Like I have actually a friend yeah. who recently had a panic attack with me on Facetime. And kept saying, no, no, but it's not a panic attack, though. And I was like, I'm watching it. It is. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, that is that is a panic attack. Like, it, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't... You admitting that you're having a panic attack doesn't make you crazy. I didn't. It's, like, it's, it's almost like worse because then you start exactly. thinking it's, it's something like people, else. Sorry, if people gone. label it as something, at least they know. It's like being stuck in the dark. Like, that's why a lot of people fear being in places that they don't they're not familiar with. yeah i think labels kind of go one or two ways because it's really hard to, it's like it's really easy to stick a label on yourself and then get really kind of like down on yourself because of that label like i've definitely done that a few times where i've been like i am yeah, this and, and it's, enough, it's yeah. hard i get why people a lot of people are and like a lot of um therapists are against the labels because you you in a sense you kind of own it mm. like i i had a really bad habit of saying my anxiety my anxiety and my therapist would always pick up on it and be like why do you keep calling it your anxiety is it your child like do you own it and i'm like no no, but like, I do have it. Like, but yeah. then my new therapist kind of says, I think it's really helpful to say like, I've got panic disorder. Because all you're doing is, you know, describing a condition mm. that is seems a bit more manageable exactly. because it seems like, oh, this is something that we know about. It's everyone tangible has now. It. Yeah, it's tangible. Everyone has yeah. it. We, mm. Not everyone, but like people have this. We know what it is. Yeah. Therefore, we can, yeah, we can get through this. Whereas like, kind of being in the dark and being like, oh no, no, that's not what it was. Or like, it, it, it does kind of Makes add a fear ominous. aspect. It adds a fear aspect and a bit of a shame aspect. Yeah. It's a bit yeah, of like yeah, a, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost like embarrassed or like, you know, I don't want to have had a panic attack. Like that's what I get from my mate yeah. who was like, no, no, it's not a panic attack. It's mm. like, I don't want to have had yeah. a panic Probably attack. Probably more, more so in males yeah, than females. 100%. They think they're, they're always re- going on like, the, I'm, I'm the manly man. I can't succumb to things like panic attacks and stuff like that and then they push it aside and then they get even worse i know this sounds like a really fucked up thing to say but my dream man right is someone that understands everything i'm talking about so like my dream man like, i honestly want my husband obviously it's all right if he doesn't but i honestly want my husband to have had panic attacks like, i know this is a really horrible thing to say but it would be a lot easier <laughs> have you had a panic attack if he, it would be it would be a lot easier for me if he understood what I meant and like it, I actually think it would be kind of an attractive quality like for me I know that's just so fucked up but it would because it's like yeah. it's it's something that like you know he would be able to relate and understand and stuff like that so like I think men being scared you know and saying oh, I don't have this or I don't have that and, and being scared to kind of admit if they've had a struggle or whatever it's like it's not necessarily mm. going to make people afraid of you or shun you or you know kind of write you off or whatever in in like in some context it you will find it quite helpful that people and people respect you for the honesty do you know what I mean yeah, I, I, yeah, I yeah, personally yeah. wouldn't and I know I'm a bit of a different case because I'm someone that's spoken openly about it now but yeah. I definitely like if a guy was saying to me like oh I had this or if, if it was a friend if it was like a potential bae like anyone <laughs> or like a colleague anything I would have the, the, the most respect for them just for like saying it because it is especially for men it is such a like uh, you know a taboo or whatever yeah, yeah definitely it's definitely considered like emasculating to admit to it and do you guys do you think feel that? as though no. like do you guys do you guys actually think that personally I wouldn't say so um, I think it's 
always better to be honest. And if you're honest with people, then they, they'll understand. If you try and hide things from people, then they won't entirely get you. And then they will think, I probably think worse of you for trying to hide it. It's just like, come out in the open, say what you need to say. I'm like a very to the point guy. Like if I have a disagreement with someone or anything like that, I'd rather you, we saw it there and then, and then stop all of this hate or having backdoor thoughts mm. like oh, i hate that i hate that prick can't believe he did that can't. like i'd rather get sorted there and then squash it and then move on yeah. and then I, progress i can imagine that some guys wouldn't want to talk about it because they don't see any solutions coming mm. from airing it because mm. if the only thing that you're saying would happen from them talking about it is that they'd feel better for doing so it's such a sort mm. of alien sensation oh yeah well you'll feel better it's just like oh well great almost seems trivial do you know what's amazing is that recently i read the book um i don't know if you guys probably have not read this but the book really famous book men are from mars women are from venus there's this whole chapter Mm. it's about the differences between men and women and it's more in the context of like relationships but they talk they tell a lot about um where men kind of derive uh their like validation and self-worth from and there is this whole chapter on how men when they have a problem they like to solve it themselves and they will get the validation from solving their own problem. Whereas women are more likely to get the validation from sharing. And Mm. I'm like, that's why women come home from work and would just like chat shit at you for ages and be like, oh, Sensei said this and Sensei said this. Because like they are actually getting something out of doing that. They're getting like, men don't really get it. They're like, what the fuck? Because like they would never come home and be like, oh my God, (laughs) But like women get so much out of it. Like I I know that's so true. Like me and my friends will sit for hours and like literally like chat the same shit over and over again at each other. And we're listening, but we're more just like doing it for each other. Like I, I care about my friend's problems, but like I don't really care about what fucking like Michelle said to Tracy or whatever. No, yeah, but yeah. I care that like you're feeling better by telling yeah. me this. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Whereas this book was saying that, and you know, you guys are literally just like proving it right. Like this book was saying that men get more of their validation from, um, you know yeah like like you said finding a solution and finding it themselves and then they can only really talk about said problem when they have found said solution and that's when they'll kind of go back to feeling good again Mm. is when they found it themselves so i suppose the way around that would be to suggest a solution to the problem if there is such a thing that isn't Mm. only through the process of self-discovery i don't know if if you know anyone who's managed to come to one or you yourself what would you say to someone who is suffering in silence Mm. Suffering in silence. So suffering with what? Depends. Yeah, you're referring to a blanket term. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm very... You're mental. <laughs> suffering with, mental. like... <laughs> okay, how about this? The five most prevalent mental health conditions. What would you suggest for each one? I'd, I'm not sure which ones are the most prevalent. Maybe do three. <laughs> 20. Yeah, God. Well, no, you you know, you you may as well go through the ones that you have because you have the most experience with them, but then if there are other more prevalent I think ones. I'm going to go over, like, stuff that I've already said, right? But I think... Actually, what's really, really helpful for me, and this is helpful for every single aspect of it, and I don't know if this is just me, um, I'd be really, really fascinated actually to know if anyone else has found this helpful too, but when you're going through any mental health issue, right... Um, the the like the anxiety the health anxiety the panic the the depression anything and even an eating disorder 
when certain things start to happen to you and like physically and mentally and you start to have these thoughts and you then you start spiraling and you start thinking shit am I crazy you're going why me why me what have I done like how can I stop this you're asking yourself all of the questions under the sun the one thing that I've always found really helpful is learning about the science behind why the things that are happening to me are happening so for instance like my therapist now and my therapist kind of clocked it so now he's really good at it like if I say one thing he'll be like well you know why that happened this chemical was released at this point and then you know the what was it called amygdala was you know fired off or something like that it's like all these technical terms but it's explaining it in a way Mm. that makes it a bit more like you know, like if you broke a bone, it's actually a really fucking terrifying thing that you've broke a bone. Yeah. But a doctor's just like, we know that doctors know what to do. Like it's a broken bone and it's fucking scary and terrifying that you've broken that bone, but they're just going to fix it. And yeah. it's amazing how we can Coming do that. Coming back to like what we were saying about lab- labelling it. Yeah, now. yeah. Getting so that like reassurance it, that that's why that's happening. And getting the science, the science basically behind... Um, what is actually happening because it's it's just a terrifying yeah. thing to be going through because you don't know what's happening to you yeah. and I think for me like definitely with the like whole suicidal episode like I didn't know I didn't under, I didn't I didn't know I knew what was happening but I didn't understand the the science like now I do because I've done all the research under the sun and I think if I'd have done some of that research at the time in terms of the science maybe then I would have been a bit um, less uh, like frantic because I was thinking that no one had ever experienced this blah 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 mm. um, yeah. but when I and when I say the science I mean like the thing about cognitive constriction that's just a simple bit of science that has made the fucking world of difference in my head now because if I now experience that memory loss thing again if I ever have a depressive period again and I experience memory loss yeah. I'm not going to be shitting myself thinking shit I've got brain damage and this is lasting forever I'm going to be thinking oh here we go this is a bit of this is the cognitive constriction kicking I've been here before yeah been yeah. here this will subside and I would say for someone that is going through something like that any physical thing that is happening to you any physical thing because if you are in a period of deep deep depression to that point you will have physical symptoms like that is a given and i would be amazed to find someone who was that depressed and didn't have any physical symptom because they are so intrinsically linked every single physical symptom you're experiencing will be temporary and not from an underlying health disorder will be resulting from um your your mental state so i would i would advise learning yeah. about the science behind why that's happening because it always ha- like helps me to feel um to mm. understand i guess and stop asking those questions like it just makes sense and you're like oh, okay fine and then you chill out a bit and it doesn't seem as scary so science is providing the answers in a way mm, yeah logical explanation of what's what's actually happening yeah lo- the logic because yeah. at the time it's just so scary you just start you think what the fuck you think what the fuck's happening like it's so terrifying yeah. and and i yeah. think i don't know if i left this paragraph in i think i did you know the bit where i said it's did i leave the bit in where it, it actually i think i cut it out you know the bit where i said um Maybe I'll cut it out. But I, I wrote a paragraph. Well, tell us. Said, <laughs> <laughs> um, the bit that was like, a bit that was like um, talking about the feeling of being suicidal. And I wrote something like, I could read it to you guys if I did delete it, but it was like, I would compare it to the feeling of a new high. So like, you know, the feeling of being drunk feels different to being um, like high on weed or high on cocaine, Mm. right? Being suicidal Mm. feels like a different type of high, except you've not taken any drugs. And basically the the high is kind of characterised by like impending doom, right? Would you say it's like an outer body sort of experience? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Like it's just like, it just feels like a different type of high. You don't feel like you're sober, 
basically. God, yeah. But oh, that really? actually, wow. there is that. So that's a really scary thing because you haven't taken any drugs and you feel that way. Yeah. And people, that's that's the, especially the sort of feeling where people think, no, nah, this is like no one's experienced this before. No one's experienced this because no one really tells you about that. No, I've when never heard that. You think of a suicide person. You think of someone sitting there. Yeah. You, you think of someone sitting there, kind of being like, oh, I'm so sad, I want to die. But you don't actually think of like what their the actual sensations they're feeling, and that is that is a sensation, and it, it comes from. Mm, um, I don't wow. know if you guys have ever heard of this, but it's um it's called derealization and depersonalization, which is like kind of the feeling. Derealization is the feeling of feeling like you're yeah, in a dream yeah, all yeah. the time. And that's what you get. It, it actually comes from like a breathing, um, the pattern of your breathing results in derealization. But it's then a sensation of feeling like you're high or like you're in a dream or like blah, 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 blah. And someone in a suicidal state is permanently in that state and it doesn't really go until you start to feel better. So I would say wow, me how, now knowing that, and I, I did know that kind of before the derealization, realization thing because i've had it before but i and that's how i always recognize i'm in an anxious period when i start to get that like dreamlike floaty feeling and i'm like oh shit this is weird but i can imagine how someone that actually has gone through with it and like top themselves for want of a better phrase like they must have been so terrified Mm. by all of these sensations happening to them so to learn about those sensations yeah and to to know like you guys didn't even know about that do you mean like this is something that the world should fucking know about this is yeah like how like how do we know i read the most maddest stat the other day and it was on the most like random thing and i was like why has someone even investigated that and there's things like this that the world does not really know about or they know but only if you Mm. research and find it it's like everyone should know that as yeah. much as you know that like when you've got a broken bone you go to the hospital I mean, correct me if i'm wrong but what seemed to have helped you the most is it's that knowledge is power and because mm. you now know so much more you're able to address these things as they come and as you've done so far overcome them so i'm assuming all the literature is out there for other people who are experiencing similar things to delve into themselves and do you think that autonomy and knowing what it is they're experiencing and how to overcome it is the ultimate saviour? Uh, potentially, yeah. I think learning about this sort of stuff and the whole knowledge is power thing, like it just takes away the fear factor. Mm. A lot of the battle is the fear factor, but being permanently, like I would wake up in the morning and be permanently afraid, like permanently like, oh my God, is my heart going to stop today? Or like, do you know what I mean? There's oh, just okay. so, there's yeah. fear. There's just like so much fear going mm. on in, in a person who's in any like mentally ill state right there's just so much fear but knowing what's happening to you does take away a a large portion of that fear and when i say knowing what's happening to you it's it's Mm. more understanding like why you're experiencing said physical symptoms whatever um so yeah in a sense yeah i would say it it does it's characterizing what's happening i wouldn't i wouldn't say savior because i think no i will probably still be likely Um, I know I don't want to like self prophesize whatever, but I, I'll probably still be likely to go through one of these periods again. Like, and, I, and I'm not naive in yeah. thinking that I won't, um, even though I have all this knowledge now. Yeah. But I think it's definitely a weapon that can be used if and when these periods do arise again. And actually, to answer your question yeah. that you asked earlier, and I didn't really have a very good answer for it, but now I've just remembered, you asked something like, is there triggers? And I tell you what, I've realized very, very, very recently, and this is like, even though this has been going on for six or seven odd years, I always notice mm. things that seem so unrelated, like this thing with health anxiety. It usually yeah. happens when I'm having a dip in the way I feel about myself. And you would think that those two things are so unlinked. But if I'm feeling shit about myself and my self-esteem has dropped or, yeah. um, you know, I'm not feeling validated in my work life or, or you know, some boy's been horrible to me and I feel shit, I'm more likely 
and I've only really clocked this link, but kind mm. of like looking back at all the periods, but I'm more likely to experience it because I, I then go in on myself and start attacking myself yeah. a little bit. And then you start kind of like checking for all the things wrong with you. And then I, for some reason that manifests in me as a hypochondria. Um, so I would say mm. like that is a massive trigger and knowing then your periods, um, like being basically self-aware when you maybe don't go, do go through a period like that when you're feeling a bit shit and just noticing that that's what yeah. it is and it's not actually your anxieties do you know what I mean it's it's just a case of you having a dip in self-esteem 100%. or whatever yeah being too self-critical yeah. maybe and yeah. spiraling out of control well I mean I must say I have found this very very interesting and fascinating 100%. thanks guys definitely yeah. <laughs> I feel like people that are going through that sort of thing have definitely had their eyes open wider to different aspects of it that they weren't necessarily aware of before actually what we are doing on this podcast now is the premise of the podcast is that the three of us felt a bit lost and society at the moment being the middle class like between the struggle and having it all like oh what do we do with ourselves Mm. the lack of purpose led to the creation of this podcast we were going to go traveling and find ourselves (laughs) which didn't happen um and the podcast subsequently has filled that void to some extent and with everyone we're asking in their selective field i mean this field is obviously a bit more difficult to tackle than most like last week for example it was about photography mm. and about the purpose of photography etc and now we're going from that to this it's still a difficult field it's <laughs> it is <laughs> but i can imagine answering the question would be slightly easier than this there one are different consequences <laughs> for both of us. Yeah. how important do you feel that finding a purpose in one's life is to i guess uh, what is the meaning of life dare i say overcoming mental illness entirely i would say I would genuinely say everything you just said then about the reason that you even started this podcast has just made me like think of a completely new like mm. I would say lack of purpose is probably if not the sole reason why I personally and when I say like when I'm having dips in self-esteem mm. those dips in self-esteem will be stemming from a lack of purpose and like when I said I when I'm not getting validation from my workplace that's lack of purpose Mm. and so literally what you just said is the sole reason and it's paramount (sighs) like purpose is paramount to personally my mental health it literally is Mm. that's the only the only time i feel purely like fucking zen and shit (laughs) and completely like cool with myself is when either i'm writing because it's something that i'm creating and i'm feeling um yeah it's like it's my thing it's and like, you're helping people yeah, as it's well like my baby or whatever um but exactly. uh but yeah like i think it's really it's really hard for people who do like say jobs where they're not fulfilled like they don't love it and they're just going in every day for the money yeah because that that's that's often what leads yeah. people to like that look void. inside themselves for like problems and stuff like that yeah it's like you start body checking or you start you get anxiety about something like mm-hmm. really obscure and it's it's not the anxiety that you're that it, like is the problem here it's the actual lack of purpose that you're getting that you're well you're not getting really um so yeah i would say which to some extent goes back to what we were talking about earlier on where why has it got worse in society and is it because people as a whole feel like there's less of a purpose now have we got to that point in society where finding a purpose is harder that's a very good point i mm. don't i don't have the answer to why but i think yes Actually, no, I I would say my my guess would be that we have insight to 
all these potential purposes that we could have. So instead of honing in on one and like say maybe it's too much variety, yeah, too much variety. like maybe our parents would grown up and then it's just like the dumb thing. Like you just get this job and you do it for your life and that's it. Yeah. But now you are constantly like, you're exposed you're to so much. Like things are mm. thrown in your face of like, yeah, you could do this or you could do this. You could just, and when you see someone else who has, and like, I, I'm guilty of this so much. When I see someone else who's like really succeeding, obviously I'm happy for them, but you can't help but feel like a failure yourself. And you think that their purpose, especially if they're younger than you. Yeah. And you think their purpose, <laughs> Yeah. is better than your purpose do you know what I mean so like, yeah, even if yeah, you, like say I love writing but mm. even if I see someone that's like a really sick like I don't know like artist or something I think oh shit like I, I wish I could do that or do you know what I mean mm. and like yeah. even like jobs wise you you I definitely like I'm jealous of not so much anymore because I went through the motions with all these jobs and now I like I work in the TV industry and I absolutely love it um good, yeah. but I definitely like when I worked in like different industries and mm. i was always so jealous of like yeah. people mainly people that worked in like the creative industries because that's mm. what i really wanted to do but i grew up in a household where you just get like a solid nine to five and you don't really do things you like you just do things because it's a job yeah. and um the means to an end yeah. yeah it's a means to an end but yeah i think like you we just have this insane exposure to what everyone else is doing and that actually would drive anyone fucking crazy mm-hmm. trust that's definitely that's definitely my viewpoint it's like yeah. Because you get all of these people saying, like, you can do anything yeah. if you put your That's the issue, though. We can do anything. Like, we don't know what the fuck to do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the issue. We don't yeah. know also, what actually, to do. Another point like, on this is, like, you know how when... Um, and, like, I have this chat with my sister all the time because I think a lot of people are, you know, to coin your phrase, lost in the middle... you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) we go from primary school to secondary school to sixth form to uni or most people anyway and then after uni i can imagine for most people like for me it was when i quit uni but after uni people are like well like you know which sheet what sheet curve do i follow now like there's your whole life it's set out for you until that point and it's like this is the point where you make this decision Mm. and that's why people feel lost because the decisions have already been made you're making them the smaller ones like which uni do i go to or which subject do i pick or but Mm. Everyone yeah. is doing the same thing. Still so we're validating each other. Yeah, we're all validating each other. 100%. Whereas like there's there's something to be kind of like insecure about when you're picking your own path. And if you don't have enough faith in yourself or or you don't love the thing that you're picking, that's when people start to get insecure and feel the lack of purpose because they're not actually genuinely passionate about what they've picked or whatever. Some people don't care though. Some people don't need to be passionate, but personally I no. do, and I think a lot of people do, and that's yeah. why people feel lost in the middle. Again, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. 100%. You couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, she is. I think we might uh, call it there. Oh, thank, you thank you very much. Thank you so much for much. having me, lads. Honestly, I've had a, I've had a ball. It's been an absolute up. pleasure. Sarah, unbelievable yeah, podcast. Oh, thank you, lads. They just keep getting better and better. Oh, I've actually had a ball. I'm not going to lie. I've had a great time. <laughs> oh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, <laughs> so have we. Um, if you want to go and have a look at Sarah's article, it was on Yeah, Medium. or just give them Am my Insta and then they can go on. What is your Insta? What is your Insta? Insta is Saz underscore Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S. And the link is in the bio. Boom. Swipe Jeez. up. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. All right. All right. Well, Amazing. thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. I Sarah, think we should do the on. clap on four. Much right? love, Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> honestly yeah that was amazing thank you very much you're welcome wait so do i actually go <laughs> <laughs> yeah can you fuck off <laughs> <You're pissed. laughs>